Hey, Parker Olson. <laughs> Welcome to the back pocket, dude. How are you? Thanks. I I do have my back pocket on me, so thanks for having me here today. You like in those shorts? Those are you have a back pocket? I wore them specifically for this, dude. Nice, man. Those are. I think uh, the year of twenty twenty two for me has been finding the right utility shorts. How do you relate in any way? Hundred percent. Just like making like I have these Vori. Uh, uh, shorts, I haven't tried those yet. They are amazing. It, like I can't say enough good things about them. And uh, you know, when you live in Arizona, it's 110 degrees as we're talking today. Um, yeah. You have to have a good Rolodex of some solid shorts. 100%. I, I can only imagine. Ideally, in the summer, I, I typically like to rotate between two or three pair. I will say I'm a little boring right now. I have have this black pair of uh i don't know maybe nike running shorts but they've, they've got the built-in liner mm. and it's got a little zipper on the back two pockets up front they're short like but you know i can go swimming they dry super quick don't mm-hmm. have to worry about anything i could go running if i wanted to right and you can't have that many pairs of shorts because you live in a van i do i do yeah wild yeah well i actually so i would be wearing those shorts today but I do not have access to them right now. They are in police custody, which which maybe we can get to at some point. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, but yeah, I had to buy these from Target uh, last week. But they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Do I go right into the police custody story or do I maybe ask more about why you're living in a van, uh, the story behind Forage, the company that you started however many years ago? I think just speaking that out loud i think we're going to start with forage and your story and then maybe we can work into uh this police custody story and where those shorts are i I like it yeah they i'm i hope they're i hope i hope they face light but who knows um but yeah as, as you said uh yeah i started forage i guess officially we formed our llc on january 1st 2020 nice which felt right to, to start it on that day right um but you know we really launched product into market middle of 2021 or um yeah i think that's right really 2020 i still had a full-time job uh was messing around the products like selling to local cafes but really got more serious about it in 2021 um, and just for context what is uh forage what's the product yeah so at forage we are taking food pantry staples so like typical food items you'd find in, in, in a family's pantry. And we're enhancing them with, with vital brain nutrients that are derived from mushrooms. Mm. Okay. So when I hear mushrooms, I think like I don't want it on my pizza or I really want to take them before I go to like concerts or go outside. Both could be true. Yeah. Yeah. So these are a slightly different type of mushrooms. So most people think of mushrooms similarly to how you think about them, right? On Maybe on, like think of it as a spectrum. So on the left side, you have culinary mushrooms like portobello, yep. you know, maybe if, if you're a bit fancier, maybe like a chanterelle, a morel. Mm, mm. Familiar? Yes. Okay. If you want to get like super crazy, maybe you get into lobster mushrooms, maybe a cauliflower mushroom if you're going wild. And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum is like psychedelic mushrooms. Now, somewhere in the middle of that spectrum is a category referred to as functional mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. They fall under um, a natural remedy category called adaptogens. Um, And they've been used medicinally for quite literally thousands of years in the Eastern Hemisphere. A couple of them are used as cancer treatments in Japan, particularly. Um, Also going through some phase one clinical trials here for cancer treatment use. 
um, but really just like excellent, excellent ingredients, really anti-inflammatory, really, really good for your immune system, just all the above. And we, we could dive into it, but I, I'm not sure we want to go down there today. Wow. So basically you're taking these adaptogens, the, the things that are, have all these really positive effects for the brain um, and putting them or infusing them into everyday kind of products you'd see in a typical pantry. Is that right? Yeah, so that's that's right. So today our, our flagship product is like a loose bag of granola, um, but we're not. Our intention isn't to be a granola company. So we are working on a pilot in like cereal or like uh, like to go bars or like a salt kind of nut mix um, amongst others. Right, right now. Cool. Okay. And um, why? I guess more of a technical question. Why are mushrooms so helpful for your brain? Like what what's actually going on? Uh, behind the noggin that uh, these mushrooms are helping out? Yeah, super fair question. So uh, there's a couple avenues I think we could go here. We go super deep. I think the way I like to explain it is mushrooms are not a plant, right? And mushrooms are actually more closely related from a DNA perspective to humans than plants are. Wow. Um, And something that mushrooms are able to do when interacting with the body and, and the human genome or the human that plants aren't always necessarily able to do is they can pass through what's referred to as your blood-brain barrier. Are you familiar? Uh, a little bit. But okay. So, please explain. <laughs> so, I, hope I, I hope I get this one right here. Um, so you basically have a barrier at, at like the base of your head, and it's it's the blood-brain barrier, and it's a barrier that you know for all intents and purposes your your body or, or developed or evolved there because if you get bad shit in your head or in your brain, it can really fuck your day up right like Mm -hmm. if you get bad shit in your hand like maybe worst case scenario you lose your hand but like you get bad you know bad things viruses bacteria um all sorts of things in your brain and like you can see you know horrible horrible effects right cascading effects and so there's this barrier that ultimately like keeps foreign substances out of your brain whoa blood brain barrier okay and because mushrooms are closely related to humans like compounds within mushrooms are able to get through to the brain so you think about like you know, why, why are psychedelics like some of the most powerful natural like remedies on humans? Like part of the reason is because they can access and, and impact parts of the brain and, and parts of like the human body that like plants simply cannot. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's super cool, man. Yeah. So it just, Neat. it, um, how I'm understanding is like these mushrooms have like a direct, have like a different funnel into your brain than like say, uh, any sort of plant-based thing would have just simply because of its origins and like how related it is to that blood-brain connection. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, cool. it's more closely related to like the human genome, human DNA. Right. Yeah. So, so, so it looks wow. less foreign. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like they're able to act on different receptors, different okay. brain receptors and, and such than rather than plants. Sick. Okay. So then where was like the inspiration to even get all this going off the ground on, uh, January 1st, 2020? Yeah. yeah. So it was a little bit before then, officially launched i was at a startup conference and just bullshitting uh so i was there seeing a friend and, and i'd been really interested in mushrooms by this point i had discovered them kind of naturally in seattle was supplementing with them and I, maybe we can jump into that in a second but was at this startup conference called HustleCon just to just to see a friend shout out david salve and uh you know you go to the happy hour and everyone there's like oh so you know, it's probably a lot of people that actually work at we work and totally. everyone there is like Oh, so like, what's your thing? Like, what are you, what are you building? <laughs> what are you building? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and at first I was just like, uh, nothing. I just like working consulting and you know, people are very uninterested. They're like, oh, okay. 
Sounds good. I'm not. Ne- I'm not networking with you right now. Then yeah. I'll see you later. If you're not a builder, I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at that point, I was kind of like into mushrooms, and I was like kind of consuming them and putting them in an oatmeal, and like nobody was doing that on the market. You just find them in coffees and teas. So finally, I literally lied. I was like, yeah, like I'm making the first mushroom focused food product. And literally like, <laughs> I, like literally the first five people were like, what the fuck? Like, what, what, what is that? And you know, I had to explain it and they you didn't really get it. worked out your elevator pitch with each new <laughs> person of, yeah, that you lied of, to. Got, kind of, yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and, um, and then like the sixth or seventh guy, some random angel investor, you know, I said that to and he goes, really? I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, that's really smart. And I go, thank you. <laughs> and then, you know, he was like, send me your pitch deck. And so I went home, like got a logo created, put together a pitch deck because I worked a lot in PowerPoint at the time and sent it to him. And then I was like, well, shit, I probably should start trying to sell this. And so then I like went to our local cafe at the rock climbing gym and was like, hey, will you guys buy this and put this in here? And the, the manager was like, yeah, sure. This looks cool. And that, and that was like the beginning. That, that was in like late 2019. Wow. That's amazing. So you kind of, you're kind of like the ideal example of like fake it till you make it, but you hadn't really made it until after you had kind of lied about it, which I love like the intention (laughs) behind it. Was there something deeper in there? Like you were always wanting to create something that was your own and you're like, you know, at this point it was like the camel or the straw that broke the camel's back at this hustle con yeah a little bit so yeah so i originally was a neuroscience like pre-med major and and that's where i first discovered like how mushrooms interact with the brain so like some of the scientific riff earlier is from like classes i took actually like senior year of high school right and how old are you by the way 26 26 okay so you graduated in 2018 as well yeah how old are you 26 oh okay yeah cool right on sick dude 26 (laughs) 26 back end of our 20s (laughs) uh brutal um so so yeah so anyways um I, I had tried to like start other companies after school. Okay, so I was originally pre-med in neuroscience and then I transitioned into entrepreneurship and finance in school. Nice. Went into consulting out of school. I actually, how I found mushrooms in Seattle is I spent 18 months trying different nutritional regimens and like would document how I was feeling. So I went vegan for 30 days, keto for 30 days, whole 30 for 30 days, gluten-free for 30 days, like pescatarian, vegetarian, like you name it, I, I did it. Um, and then one of the months was I just supplemented with these mushrooms and like went off of everything else, like coffee, everything. And it was an incredible month in terms of how I felt. And then I dove really deep into the research, joined our local mushroom club, sat on the board there for close to two years, like got into mushroom foraging, like, and now I'm just like a lost mushroom soul. Dude, you kind of look like a mushroom too. (laughs) It's unreal. That's sick. Oh, wow. So you really, I think that's something um that i'm kind of relating to a little bit myself like you have to spend the time in the space to like really figure out what you want to do in it and like and like experience it a little bit so i love that like we're talking now and we're working backwards from your company forage but there's inklings of this experience with mushrooms there's inklings with just wanting to create a company there's inklings with just like being a part of the mushroom community foraging for mushrooms like there's so many things that were happening before you ever hit the switch to to go for it and i like really respect the fact that you took the time to like just genuinely be curious in the space and then now you finally found something uh 
you found the right avenue to go yeah and it and it took one guy to just basically say like that's a good idea yeah no because <laughs> he it's knew crazy it, yeah if he hadn't said that it, it, it probably wouldn't have been there right um but you know it's easy to it's easy to justify like that but you know it's not like i planned that but no, yeah no. but yeah in a sense but like like the first company i tried to start it was after school i was working it was a reversible pant company it's pretty cool actually nice. i still have some prototypes and so like on one side was like a plaid print and the other side was like a chino wow how'd that end up a little too expensive <laughs> to make i would imagine yeah i got to the point where like i was working on it and building this website and then i was like huh okay, I have no ability to make these. I'm not like that passionate about it, right? That, that, that was a learning for me where I was like, this is kind of cool, but I'm not like super passionate about mm-hmm. it. And there already are like minor roadblocks where I'm like, eh, I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I can, I, that's another thing too, is like you were already naturally passionate about the mushrooms and like had seen it have such yeah. an impact on your life that like that was really the fuel you needed to just keep it going and i'm sure that's something you refer back to when things get tough as you're building forage so totally yeah cool mm-hmm. stuff so okay we're almost to figuring out why the shorts are in the police department or in police <laughs> custody but now talk to me about like you have to wait till the end of the show to learn the- what, what the shorts are we're getting the- there dude we're getting there so talk to me about like how you got into this whole van life thing and like traveling around the country yeah you know like handing out forage samples and like getting into stores and all that like how did that all kind of kickstart yeah so i'm starting to think that i am into like alternative living and and i say that i say that because um so one of like on the back end of this 18 months of dieting that was also like when i started thinking about doing an iron man and then i was like oh you know what like i'm gonna sleep outside in the tent for the summer and i'm gonna sublet out my room to like make some extra money wow so i slept in our backyard out of a tent there's some good photos of those early days and i ended up sleeping out there for over a year and a half in seattle in seattle (laughs) nice were you like elevated so like when it rained you didn't get your tent didn't wash out or how did that not at first so i i I iterated i I like to say that i got up to like version 15 of the tent by the yeah by the time i was out of it i'm all for revisions dude i yes you gotta make them yeah so at first like i was actually i think it was like july and I was like, oh, great. It won't rain. Just had, had my tent down. It was the rainiest July on record for the past like 25 years. Flooded like the tent got so wet. I remember like going into work one day and I was telling a coworker and they were like, dude, just go sleep inside. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, like I'm sticking outside. So anyways, at first it was like, oh, it's something fun I'll do. And then as that was kind of when Forge was like, okay, like, you know, I, I started in August, but then Forge started to take off and like, you know november december january Mm -hmm. i'm outside we're starting to bake at a cafe locally on our street we're ordering more ingredients we have like big bins of ingredients so then those are all kind of in my room with my bed even though i'm sleeping outside Mm -hmm. because at that point we didn't i didn't have a subletter and so i'm like okay i'm just getting rid of my bed and so i threw out my bed and we like put in like metal racking and like storage for the ingredients and like finished product and i put in a couple desks and made that our unofficial office and then the following summer we actually brought in interns and they came and worked in my house i had three roommates like two dogs like and i remember a few interns (laughs) i remember they showed up on day one and they're like huh this is the office 
I'm like, yeah, this is the office. And I like, tried to make it look like legit in there. I got them like, my friend had a 3D like wood burner. So I like wood burn these like cool little journals with their names. I was like, yeah, you guys got the cool intern swag. <laughs> <laughs> and actually they both were like, dude, this is so cool. Like I don't have to, I don't have to deal with downtown traffic. Like my friends, like this seems way more chill. And I'm like, yeah, like it's way cooler. <laughs> and they like totally were bought in from day one. They were awesome. Uh, Kyle and, and Malika. And so anyways, I'm sleeping in, in the tent. We're building the company. And then we got a really cool opportunity to like distribute our product in stores on the East Coast and down in Southern California. And we had we were just about to like raise some actual like kind of real money from from a family friend, like angel investor. And it was like, okay, if we're able to distribute now in these areas, like we have to go sell to these stores. Yep. And our main investor, he is a traditional sales guy. He's like, you go and you, you bang on doors, the thick Boston accent. And I'm kind of agree. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of a traditional sales guy myself. And so that was where it was like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to buy like a rooftop tent and live on the road and go sell product into these stores and build content around it. And so I, I also do a lot of content on like LinkedIn. Dude, you were like a huge, you were one of the few LinkedIn creators back like two years ago when I was, <laughs> when I was creating on LinkedIn almost every day as well. I was like, dang, part. Parker's like really got this rocket. Dude, like, LinkedIn bros. Li- I w- you were like doing some traction on LinkedIn. Like I will say, it, I was impressed. And yeah. it was, it was, I mean, it was, what was nice for you is like it was unique content on the platform that funneled right to your brand. And it made a ton of sense and you were getting eyeballs. And it was probably your pro- a good product market fit in terms of like older people probably having money to buy mushrooms in stores yeah kind of it's 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 honestly more b2b uh lead generation for me so okay. like, i've met a lot of grocery buyers on there or like distributors that, okay even better. yeah and so and so yes so then it was like okay like i'm gonna move into this pop-up camper and so i bought this like 2500 hundred dollar like legit thing you put on top of your car it like yeah. pops up you sleep up there oh yeah and i had, it was all ready to go i was like great i'm launching like early september and then less than two weeks before I left, another founder in Seattle showed me this r- wicked cool like Japanese import van he got from this dealer in Seattle. And he's like, yeah, it was super cheap. And I was like, what? That thing looks sick. And so I went over to the dealer and I found this like vintage 1995 Mazda Bongo. It's basically like a VW pop top camper. And but it's Japanese, like the wheels on the right side. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty affordable. And so I'm like, dude, fuck that pop thing on my tiny car. I'm buying this thing and we're roadieing in this and we're going to get it wrapped and branded like perfect. Yeah. And so literally like less than two weeks before I left, I like sold my car, sold the thing I just bought to put on top of it and then bought the van, got it wrapped. And I didn't even have, I literally bought it, drove it straight to the guy who wrapped it in the vinyl wrap of our branding, dropped it off. And then the day I picked it up, I left that same day on the road trip and I've been on the road for nine months. Wow sick dude that's amazing that's so cool wow so off to a hot start yeah so so anyways yeah get get in the van so we went from the tent to the van and and so on and and so that that's kind of where i'm in the journey right and basically the van is your uh your door knocking machine transporting you from store to store trying to get in yeah sort of store like i'll show up at, at headquarters right so i'll show up at like a larger grocery chain headquarters and sometimes some mornings when i know like if people are going in the office and i'll just like give out like product or like play music or bring coffee and you're just trying to like get in front of people and have conversations how's that worked it's worked pretty well at at some other chains there there's been two chains i've like literally landed meetings with like 
big buyers who are really hard to reach because I've just showed up and been ultra shameless. And I'm just like, I have like my little whiteboard looks super cute. I'm like, little entrepreneur, like talk to me. Right, right, right. That's, I feel like that probably goes a long way in this age of like cold leads online and Mm -hmm. how that's just kind of probably the typical way to do it. But when you're outside physically doing something like that, where it's not easy to do, you know, if you're just anybody, so totally that's cool so if you had i'm assuming you've had some good successes like with these buyers but also some maybe uh people were kicking you off their property and saying never come back (laughs) yeah i've had a couple of those as well like i've had a couple like police run-ins not not related not not related to the shorts we'll get there by the end of the show um but yeah i've had to like move or like you know i've had actually some sketchy run-ins with like what i believe to be like homeless drugged out people nice because like the roof comes up like that. And so it's basically like a tent on the top. So it's just like a thin canvas layer between me where I'm sleeping mm-hmm. and like the outdoor, the outside world. Is that like at a normal person height? Like it's the, a little higher, which is up. nice. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, cool. And uh, yeah, geez. So you've been, you've had a couple of those run-ins, but ultimately like, would you say like, how, how's it been so far? Like, yeah, once you, cause once you land, once you land like a, a buyer, you obviously have to route your distribution right to them. And the more mm-hmm. you get, the more work you have. And totally. Is it pretty streamlined after that? Or what, no, what's the process look it like? It becomes a challenge after that, right? And so part of it's like, I'll show up, I'll talk to buyers. Like I'll also show up and sample at stores. Um, Continue. And uh, and so, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're figuring it all out as you go. And, and, you know, I was sampling at a store in Florida at a Publix location. And like I met um jared rondo who now works with forage and so he you know he was actually he actually moved into the van for about a six-week period no way yeah so he will i wasn't in it at the time so he moved into the van this is april and i moved into a sailboat down down in los angeles another alternative living space (laughs) precisely and this is like pretty dumpy sailboat like five thousand dollar sailboat but it was awesome like i got off the road kind of for a little bit like still didn't have a shower or like a fully functioning toilet mm-hmm. just number one in there unfortunately that's all right though there's all <laughs> kinds of nice whole foods uh that you can poop at yeah nice whole foods sometimes like a trash bag you know but not not super often um nice so. well that's cool man so like what is it about alternate spaces or living spaces that you've really appreciated like what 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 drew you or what what keeps you coming back to not wanting like a normal room and living situation yeah and i, and I don't know if it's specifically around the having a normal room but i my my greatest fear and i and i'd be interested to hear your greatest fear as well okay but my greatest fear is to wake up and i'm probably like mid 30s probably like 33 34 and you wake up and it's clear like you have, you know, a significant other and you can hear kids downstairs, which I'm excited for. And you look outside and there's like a white picket fence and you're just in, you're living in a suburb somewhere and you're like, damn, like I have serious responsibility now. And like, I can't just go out and be like, fuck it. I'm going to go do this for the next two months. You know, dude, that is like the definition I think of like a quarter life crisis. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a quarter life crisis. I'm, well, I'm the same way. I'm like, you know, I have a girlfriend and, you know, she's getting in her late twenties and like, you know, she's giving me a PowerPoint presentation on like, you know, what it's like to have kids and like clocks ticking and there is like an actual clock and, you know, there's so many things that come with that. And 
not that being a dad is going to be like the worst thing in the world, but like it is fairly restrictive in terms of like taking advantage of opportunities such as living in a van or like saying yes to some random opportunity that you don't think you would ever get again or right. traveling, you know, there's all kinds of those things. So I go through that same type of situation when I evaluate anything that I do or anything I want to do for that reason, yeah. um, which is probably like one of the reasons why I took this random job out here in yeah, Tonopah, cool. Arizona and lived in an RV for a year. And I loved that alternate living space because the natural space in which you said I, I'm comfortable in was like probably 25% comfortability in comparison to like a normal home. Mm-hmm. And I think that elevated sense of like how you feel um, is just like, it keeps your mind active all mm-hmm. the time. And I now living in like a normal house again, I don't, I don't feel like I have as much of an edge anymore because of that. Not saying it's like the worst thing in the world to have conveniences, but um, that is one of the main things I really loved about living in the RV was like, you were reminded every day that you were living in an RV and it was like such a humbling experience and it kept your mind like always active and almost in a little bit more of a heightened survival mode for whatever reason. Dude, I just love everything you just said. And, and I, you know, we were talking earlier, you like send over some questions and I'm like, I really like the idea of like, you constantly need to be putting yourself in a stage of change and like discomfort in order to be like really questioning, like how you perceive reality. And like, mm-hmm. if you're taking advantage of things or just letting life pass and dude, what you said of like being almost at this like heightened edge or being like on an edge, so true like every day i wake up in the van and like even this morning woke up and like a, i heard a guy come outside at like 4 30 in the morning and i'm like oh shit like is he like gonna be worried about me sleeping in the neighborhood am i gonna get the police call on me like or is he just getting in his truck like i hear him getting in his truck i'm like okay You're like oh he's going to work yeah he's going to work <laughs> and like it, it's it's weird but but yeah there there's a sense of like okay if i want to do anything like off the walls that like may potentially my future wife may be like, dude, you're not doing that. Like I better do it. Better get it in. I better get it in. Yeah. And I guess through that process, I'm sure you'll find someone who also lives in a van and it like won't be the end of the world. And you'll have your kids and they'll also live in little tyke vans and it'll be this big van, happy van family or the passion for doing that is going to move on yeah, and, and you're going to find a new fun thing to do. Like, I'm I'm very much on the realm of like wanting to live in an alternate space because I'm I'm looking at potentially moving to Salt Lake City at the end of the right. year somewhere else like potentially a metropolis again, and it's like the last thing I want to do is buy a house. The last thing I want to do is live in an apartment. Yeah, and I'm like trying the rest to of your life to do that. And, yeah, exactly. And I there's got to be another way or another thing or another place to live. It's kind of fun to scroll on Airbnb totally. and like look at all the different like potential options you have and just be like, oh, you know, I might actually be able to swing that for the same exact price <laughs> or cheaper than what it would normally cost to live in an RV or whatever. So, dude, I, lo- I also love that you just said that. So, the sailboat in LA in Marina del Rey, really attractive area, really attractive dock, super close to Venice Beach, cheapest rent I could find in LA. You know, and, and everyone's like, oh, like, you know, people I talk to who want to move to L.A. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just they're like, man, I really want to buy the be, be by the beach and like in this general area. But like, it's so expensive. And I'm like, not only did I find such cheap rent, but like got to live on a sailboat, like <laughs> both things that I was very excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I just think there's so much like 
opportunity i guess for people our age to live in these types of situations and i know there's gonna be a time and place where it's like man i can't wait to be in like my garage and yep. like deck out my garage for whatever it's gonna be you know paint and my fence paint my fence dude cut my lawn like there's gonna be so <laughs> I'm many never things. i'm never stooping that low dude no way i mean we can play we'll play this back in 10 years and be like oh dude yeah. <laughs> can't wait to cut my lawn like these guys are idiots um but yeah no i think like especially for you know you're running like a, a startup growth company man like that you have to be on every day like yeah. there's not a day where you can kind of just take off and you know not not think about how to there's like always stuff stuff to do there's people to manage there's like things to sell um and i think again like the the alternative living is like that it kicks you into a higher survival mode which like i think can totally triple down on your actual business would you say like that totally is a very reasonable thing to say and i started to notice it when i was living in in the tent mm -hmm. you know I, I sometimes i'd sit up there and it would be like shitty out like cold or, or like i'd get wet and you're like okay like why am i out here because that's when you start to question it like when everything's all good and i'm like living in the van and like i have a gorgeous view and i'm like it's like perfect out i'm like oh my god like who wouldn't live in a van all right and then when it's like shitty out or you're freezing cold or you're dying hot i literally i slept naked last night was sweating the entire night it was miserable it's disgusting yeah terrible and that's when you ask yourself like why am i doing this and then you're like oh i'm doing this because i'm dedicating myself to this cause or i'm trying to build this and and then it's like okay like yeah and so when I get up the next day, I'm not just like fucking around. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to continue to build because this is why I'm putting myself through this, mm -hmm. this turmoil or, or like in, in this situation. Right. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Is there like something that you're building towards right now? Is there like a little bit of a beacon or like a, a milestone that you're trying to hit right now with forage? I mean, there, you know, there definitely are like big rocks of like where, what are maybe certain growth KPIs or certain, you know, milestones I'm looking at from a business perspective, but nothing like, like a beacon. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm not thinking of anything right now, but there, you know, there are maybe, there's maybe like the next stage of growth for us, which like, is like, okay, I like get off the road. And like, for me, I actually think, you know, ultimately starting the own, you know, you know starting forward to starting my own company and having the autonomy it's like oh great like i don't work my nine to five like okay like i still work a part-time job oh really I, yeah i still consult on the side for an old client <clears throat> and then i the work's like the work's hard and it's long hours and like it's really ambiguous and it's challenging you know it, this isn't like rainbows and sunshine most of, of the time and like you have to miss things that your friends are doing because you're like no i just simply have to work but you know for me the next stage that that would be really cool is, is if it enabled me to say okay I'm off the road or like things are now in a little bit more of a run state. Like maybe I'll go down, move down to South America for six months and work remotely there. And like, I could just be super focused, but I can be remote. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of unlocks like, Ooh, okay. This like cool lifestyle that I've always envisioned or wanted. Right. 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 Um, so when you're running like a, um, like a company with that sells, you know, mushroom products, you know, when you look at it in the typical lens of like a distributor in a grocery store, um, just from like what I've heard from some of the other startup companies, like, are you kind of building to try and get bought out by like one of the big food giants so that you could base like, cause there isn't like all of grocery stores run by like four people, yeah. four big <laughs> yeah, companies. Yeah. So like, you're just trying to build the most competitive, like uh mushroom 
sale like company that has all these great products and then basically like build it to sell at the end of the day is that kind of like the not, scheme i guess not really honestly like it, it, if that's the scheme the the chances are incredibly low like you okay. should go into a different industry if you're, that's what you're really trying to do okay. and I think at the end of the day, like there's so much hard work that if that's your outcome or goal, like you're going to burn out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, it's like, maybe that happens. Maybe I'm not saying it w wouldn't happen, but that isn't necessarily the end goal. And like, for me, I'm just trying to be like, okay, like how do I enjoy today and like tomorrow and like yep. have fun with this and also like grow it, you know, versus just like, okay, we have to get it to sell. And it's, you just realize and, and you see it happen a lot in the industry. Like, and it happened really after RX Bar sold to Kellogg for like fifty six times its revenue. It was bananas. It's it was like it was like the largest revenue multiple purchase ever in the space. All these like pretty much kind of like techie or just like smarter individuals were like, "Ooh, this is a great industry to go into to like quickly build a company and make money, and you just sell it." Like, "Oh, I, I can sell something for fifty six times revenue." Like, "Okay, I build it to one million dollars and I can sell it for fifty six million dollars." Like, "Wow, that's great." No, like that's that's not how it fucking goes. Like that was like. I, I, I promise if you went back to the people who made that decision today and you're like, was that a good idea? They'd be like, no, they would say no. <laughs> yeah. RX bars. No way. That's crazy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So like, you know, people see those like crazy stories and latch onto it. Mm -hmm. um, the reality is like building a food business is really challenging. Yeah. It's a B to B to B to C business. Mm -hmm. So we sell to a distributor who sells to a retailer who sells to an end consumer. It's also, you have to manage like, um, you have to manage shelf shelf stability and like shelf life of product um, which for mushrooms is what would you say oh the mushrooms actually are really shelf stable cool um you also have to manage like a physical product so you have to have like space you know this isn't like store of the product yeah there isn't like it's not like in the cloud you know right <laughs> so they're like I, I think anybody who gets into it for that reason it frequently does not necessarily pan out wow yeah that totally adds up i i was always just curious because like you think about um, I look at an example like Busy Coffee. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you familiar with yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you know those guys. Love those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. I've been hanging guys. Uh, Mark Dowdle. I was going to wait, super quick. Mark actually was the initial inspo to live in the van. Wow. Mark's, that's Mark's so like a, cool. Mark's, a, Mark's an OG. I love Mark. Cool. And you, you've met him before and I don't think we've actually met in person, but, but like we'll hop on like FaceTimes and like just call or like talk. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that he was an inspiration because like I I put you guys in the same boat, not because you have just both have long hair and live in vans, but <laughs> just like the idea of like what he's doing for busy where he's going from store to store to store and, you know, managing their velocity of busy coffee. And I was thinking more of it in your sense where it's like very similar process where you're you're in more of a stage of like, I need to sell in all of these different places and find unique ways to infiltrate the establishment. But like busy coffee, like what was really cool about learning their space was they're like, we're going to dominate the cold brew market. There are about, there's only about when they first started, there were only about like four competitors of cold brew coffee. Now there's like 16 or something mm -hmm. stupid like that. Um, but they're all trying to compete for the same spaces that like that, like a, a Coke will buy them or a Pepsi will yep. buy them or like craft or whatever. But it seems like with the mushroom thing, it's like the whole space is just still continually growing. So it's not your end game. Can't just be like sell out to craft. It's gotta be more like we're, we're selling, we're trying to just, we're selling to grow the space of 
mushroom consumption. Yeah, totally. And you know, like a lot of people think, okay, there's only one exit. Like you get, and and typically in order to sell to like a craft or like a Kellogg or General Mills, they're looking at a hundred million plus. Mm -hmm. So like hundred million is like table stakes from top line revenue at, at, at this point. Like, like there are exceptions like RX bar. Um, or like there's a couple other ones we, we won't have to go into them but but there are a lot of alternative methods to like you know get out of the day-to-day operations right mm-hmm. of like okay maybe you grind for 10 years you build it into like a 25 million dollar company and then you know like a holding company comes in and they say hey we'll, we'll buy out you know 49 percent of this and then you can still hold you can still hold like you know power essentially but like it de-risks it de-risks your investment so it says hey you can get paid out and then we'll take over all of the operations. And then you still can like sit in on like high level meetings and be a part of the team, but like you can go pursue other things. And like we now manage the business. And yeah. like th- there are really cool options like that, that that do exist in the interim. Yeah, that's cool. I like I've never even thought about that in terms of like a holding company and, and just helping manage your just like velocity and, and you're kind of mm-hmm. more just like the day to day or not the day to day, but the management of like the actual system. Because I think. Yeah. Um, the more I've like invested my time and just like watching how like companies sell or like manage, it's like, uh, like you, someone like yourself is building relationships with all these distribution channels, hiring the people to manage and and, like execute the distribution channels, obviously the branding and the selling of the product. But then like that right there is like IP that people purchase and are like, Hey, I want that to work more than what you have right now. And I want Mm -hmm. you to can like, I want to buy that system basically. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think it's cool. Like as I've trans, like what's been really cool about the podcast is like, we've done 330 some episodes and basically it's talking to like people, ordinary people with extraordinary passions to dive into something that they're curious in like forage or like Mark Dowdle with, you know, his, his running and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of different people, but I guess it's just fun to hear the different stories as they kind of develop. But then um, this last year, like not really recording as many podcasts, but just like kind of just sitting back and like watching what all is going on and how like people are actually building things and like how the systems go together and like looking at it from like a a viewer lens rather than just like a, like a macro. Yeah. And it's, it's opened my eyes to being like, wow, like back pocket, like, are we've just been having fun talking to people for so long that we didn't even like i never really considered how it would ever be a business like our whole goal was just like hey talk to people you know get acquire money through sponsors and that was cool and then we uh, added a production business and a consulting service and i was like okay now we got money in the door but i'm like okay that's just still like a brand like there's not like a it's not like a forge or something where it's like a product or that drive like it has a consistent like crazy driving revenue business. And so that's where like my head's at now is like, how can I, how can I amplify what we got going on now into like something that's even more like transition into even something that's even more um, into the future. Cause I just, Mm. from sitting back and just kind of watching people build, I'm like, I want to build something. I want to build something more now. Like, I I don't know what it is yet. Be careful, man. The grass is always greener. (laughs) Grass is always green on this. hundred percent. It's painted concrete. I hear. Yeah, it is. I can guarantee. No, I don't know. I mean, you're, yeah, but like you just, you know, look at, look at yourself. Like you're in a different business. Like you're more in a service oriented business. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little different, but like, 
look what you guys have created like 330 episodes like yeah how do you how do you define success like in my mind it's like existing for a long enough amount of time and like being persistent and surviving like, okay so like there you are you know like yeah to me it's like okay we could be dead in three months or like we could be dead in 50 years or we could be dead never and right still slightly unproven you know exactly always slightly unproven i love that because you like as you know i, I think what where i kind of struggle is like oh well we used to record a billion podcasts mm-hmm. and now it's like comparing yourself oh we're well now we're just only recording a few back pocket episodes but now we have like this date night podcast like we survived yeah. long enough to just kind of find a new avenue of like yeah. implementation and now like my whole thing is like i, I just want to keep creating i think like, i think it's just something's gonna hit where it's like whoa yeah. like i never would have thought that would happen and it's only gonna happen as long as we survive so if you pull the plug there's no opportunity love that dude I, I think that's a really 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 smart line that you just said too and i think some people may have missed but like whatever you're working on like i look at it at forage right it's like we have a granola concept in a year from now we may not even have a granola concept but it's like okay like we're driving in this direction and then maybe we'll come out with one of these innovations or something and then that will like take off and it's like okay that's the direction that we're going now mm-hmm. or like maybe we start to supply other companies with with kind of like what we're building and, and put into our products like okay like maybe that's the direction right and, and so I, I like what you say like you just have to survive to iterate and like continue to build and like continue to find that more efficient or like that better path forward totally have you seen or not seen have you read the book uh outliers by malcolm gladwell mm-hmm. yeah uh that's another reason why surviving is so important because you never know when your opportunity where you get the brand new microsoft computer or brand new computer for the first time at the mom's club like your bill gates and you're like the first yeah. one to actually like dive into it and because of that like you're now building microsoft and so yeah I kind of see that, and this is a weird transition if you're not, and I won't go too much into it, but like with Web3 and NFTs and random stuff like that, like we don't need to get too much into it, but I think that's where um, we're at in terms of like people who are in the digital media space who are, who've been in it for the last five to 10 years, like basically going through the route from Facebook to Instagram to TikTok and Twitter, and then now into this new space of Web3 and Web Dev. It's like, whoa like we're if you've survived this long and you have the chance to like build with all the experience and something that's brand new like web3 something that's everyone's going to use in five years maybe Mm -hmm. less it's like whoa now you have this extraordinary opportunity so like just like you're not you don't know if you'll be in granola next year it's like the same reason why like all i'm doing on my off time is uh basically teaching filipinos how to produce podcasts and i'm learning how to code like in ethereum and in solidity and like learning how to actually develop backend uh web3 stuff for like to actually build like for some of these other creations that we're making like who knows where that's gonna go like what happens yeah totally dude that's why i love it well and like what you're doing like you're just following like your like your creative intention and like your creative nose and that's all you can do like I think a lot of people are like, oh, how did you start Forage? Or like, what did you do? You're like, I don't know. I honestly, like, it's hard to answer that question because it was just one step at a time. And I'm like, okay, I think we do this now. Yeah. Or like, ooh, I'm going to do this now. Okay, like, this is now interesting, right? Or yeah. like, you know, and you just continue to follow that follow that path and sort of trust your gut. Well, and especially if you go like one step at a time, when you go come on a podcast and you've retraced all your steps and it either sounds like, crazy all over the place or like in a consistent upward trajectory um like the listener whoever's like viewing that story for the first time could just be like 
holy shit i can't believe it happened this way yeah like how the hell would i ever get started but like the the key takeaway is just like it's one step at a time otherwise it doesn't happen yeah yeah you just gotta get started so find something you're interested in you know exactly so when how why are these shorts in police custody (laughs) is that where we're at yeah well it doesn't (laughs) doesn't necessarily have to be the end i'm just yeah i I I love it i want to know so it's 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 good so so I mentioned that I transitioned from so a tent to van, yep, van to sailboat, sailboat back to van, sailboat back to van. Nice. And so initially, I was planning on staying in the sailboat from April through through end of June. This current June. This current June. I'm no longer in the sailboat. If you're curious, I know you came because <laughs> you went from van to podcast yeah that's right that's that's right that's right <laughs> you're potentially back to van i, th- I think and then I on a so. plane yep then plane maybe vehicle home <laughs> and so any, anyways so i you know part of the reason of renting the sailboat is like awesome like i want to take this thing sailing that's that's sweet i don't know how to sail right but i want to take it sailing big time utility with the sailboat exactly <laughs> like how cool is that like you yeah like you could be anywhere so Anyways, yeah, so I don't know how to sail, and I wasn't going to take the sailboat out. That would have been dumb. Uh, I'm crash it, whatever. And, and it, you know, probably was only like a $5,000 sailboat, but yeah, still. Same, same kind of concept with the RV. I was never going to drive that thing to Joshua Tree because I just didn't know how to operate that, and that would have been a terrible, yeah. terrible situation had I had, had, had been stuck. <laughs> yeah, so so I knew that, and I'm back in Seattle for, I don't know, Memorial, Memorial Day maybe or... No, no, no. Before Memorial Day, and I meet up with an old friend, Peter. He actually kind of helped me get started in Forage. He had a chocolate company. He sails on a team, like amateur professional, or they, they sail in like legit tournaments in Seattle. And he's also the team's boat mechanic. So I'm like, dude, I'm living on the sailboat. I'm dying to sail it, but I don't know how to sail. Like, you should come out. Like, let's take it sailing. And he's like, all right, I'm in. And so he booked a flight, came out, showed up, like, checked out the boat like re-rigged it like bought stuff for the boat like safety stuff like checked the engine like he went through everything i was like i would feel like he i would not feel more comfortable with anybody else on the boat than him so we get in we're gonna sail to catalina island catalina wine fucking catalina wine (laughs) and uh such an obvious choice obvious choice it's about a six hour sail it's only about 30 miles uh but it's pretty straightforward sail just sails literally straight to the island there's a crosswind so it's just like you're pretty much straight it's pretty straightforward so he comes in thursday and you know he's checking out the boat and he's like all right well it's clear like the owner doesn't know how to sail based on how it's rigged up but like i fix everything we we got everything figured out it's totally sailable the thing's solid he's also sailed this type of boat before so we you know we go we get some gas go out and we sail across, like actually had a day, I had to do a little bit of tacking, like, but had a day, like had a couple bevies, like we're fishing a little bit, like so enjoyable, not a lot of service. You're just kind of like living on the boat. Like yeah. you're just sitting, it's about, cool. a, it's a 29 foot Cal, Cal 29 for people who are familiar. Nice. Sounds legit. Yeah. Get in, get into the North part of the Island Friday night. We more, it was, it was kind of late. So we just passed out. We were exhausted. Get up, sail down the coast of Catalina Island and we're fishing, we're snorkeling into like inlets, come back, you know, get down to the bottom, which is an Avalon, which is like the town there. It's kind of like a bougie town. It looks like a cross between Jurassic Park and like, and like the coast of Italy. It's so cool. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's neat. So we get in, we, we, we moor and you know, and we're kind of like, all right, let's chill for like half hour and then let's call in the Harbor master and like, let's go in and like get dinner and have some bevies and, and have, have an evening. So, 
I lay down on my like twin XL bed that I've gotten there and he's up on the bow on the front of the boat. And I'm just like, all right. And I checked my phone. We had gotten some service and like floods of text messages come in. Oh, no. I later counted. It was 32 and they're all from the owner of the boat. Who's, who's our age. And it's like, <laughs> kind of want to pull them up. Cause I think it's worth it. Yes. hundred percent worth it. Okay. All 32 were from the boat owner. <laughs> yes so did before you read these did you ever like confirm with him that it was okay to sail it so so i never explicitly told him i was taking scatalina which in retrospect i should have but a couple times before i was like dude i'd love to take this thing out and he was just like yeah dude like we could take it out like and like never had said i couldn't sail it so i was like okay like i don't see a big deal but like like, I don't know. Like, I didn't even think about the the, the potential aspect of, like, taking it out and, and kind of what happens. <laughs> yes. So, okay. Let's see. Oh, man, dude. There's some good ones in here. Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold, on hold on. Hold on. Okay. I just got back to the front. Let's see. Uh, Sheriff will be contacting you shortly. Um, uh, it's over. Grand Theft Auto. Sheriff boat is out for your arrest. Where are you? Please just bring it back ASAP. Um, and then there's like several more that are like that. You go, Dude, seriously, why? Just no charges are going to be pressed for Grand Theft Auto. Um, Grand Theft Boto, dude. Grand Theft Vessel. Um, <laughs> he goes into how get ready for jail, man. If they catch you, you're screwed. I'm not getting. I'm not letting up on this. So he thinks you stole the boat. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're going to love that man bun in county. That's my favorite one. <laughs> oh, so good. So I like. <laughs> he legitimately thinks you stole the boat because like none of his texts are going through. Yeah. The boat's gone. He was and, never notified well, so, that you were going to Catalina. And so also like unreal. A bunch of my possessions were at the dock, like $2,500 bike, like possessions. And, and so, you know, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see how this went, but like it maybe was two or three hours while I didn't have my phone or like, cause I looked when they started coming in and I text him back right away. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like I'm not stealing your boat. Really sorry. Like had no idea. I couldn't sail it. Like my bad. I probably should have told you I was going to Catalina. Like, you know, my bad, like I'm not stealing the boat. My, 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 you know, my, my bike's back at the dock. I'm flying out of LA on Wednesday as is like, like was like clearly not stealing the boat. And he's like, dude, just like fucking bring it back. Like you're fucking done. And I'm like, dude, like I'm not sailing your boat. It's 6 p.m. The boat's not well lit up. I'm not going to sail it back. Like, like it's not super safe. It's not well lit. Like it's not a good idea in general. We've kind of been, we've had a couple bevies and he continues to freak out. I'm like, dude, look, I sent, I sent to my location. I was like, here's my location. I'm at Catalina. Like you can see I am here, you know, like I shared it indefinitely. My bike's at the dock. Like, I sent him a screenshot. I texted with, with the neighbor, the boat next to his. And I said, Hey man, you mind if I leave a couple things right on your boat? And he was like, sure. I was like, I'm coming back Sunday. He goes, great. He goes, enjoy. Sent him those like clear. I'm not taking the boat. So, so then I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to ruin my day. I, you know, I, I, it was such a perfect day. Really was like an excellent day. So I'm like, okay, well I'll deal with that tomorrow. If I get kicked off the boat, like I'll go back to the van. Like I guess it's not the end of the world. Like, right as it goes you have an out i have you know yeah and whatever like so you know we call the harbor master come pick us up and he like pulls up he gets on one side and then and then the sheriff boat comes and pulls up on the other side of the boat so in like, catalina on Ca- yeah in catalina because right. he sent him your location yeah and he reported you to the sheriff yeah the boat sheriff yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the, boat the sheriff. sheriff by boat and 
so the you know they pulls up and i'm like okay like i know this is gonna go sheriff's like hey hello gentlemen like are one of you parker and i'm like yeah that's me and he's like oh is you know is this your boat and i'm like no sir like i'm renting the boat like you know it sounds like the owner's like a little upset i just got a lot of his messages and you know he thought i was stealing the boat he's like yeah he's like he's like the boat is out for is out of stolen property and 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 the boat owner called and said that you were here and I was like, yeah, I just I just shared my lo- my location with him, you know. But like, I, I like I'm legally renting the boat, and I had no idea I couldn't take it, and I just you know I just feel bad. And he's like, oh, you're renting the boat. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> and he's like, well, do you have proof? And I was like, yeah, I can totally. show you proof. <laughs> Here's so my I, lease. <laughs> yeah, I I showed him like lease payments. We didn't have an official document like that I signed or anything, but it was all through text. Showed him all the texts, all the all the payments. And he looks and he spends like five minutes going through him and he's like, okay, like it's clear that you're renting the boat from him. And I'm like, I know, like, I, you know, I feel bad that, you know, it's kind of a misunderstanding. And he's like, all right, let me call him. And he like pulls and calls him and he's like, hey, uh, like I'm here with the boat and Parker, like everything's fine. Um, you know, like, are, are, are you renting the boat to Parker? And this guy, <laughs> Eric, he's like, he's like, well, well, yeah, but he sold the boat. And he's like, okay, like why, why do you think he sold the boat? And he's like, well, cause it's not here. And I told him he couldn't sail the boat. And he's like, okay, like, you know, Parker's saying you, you had never mentioned that and I'm not seeing it documented anywhere. Like, if, have you written it down anywhere or is it documented? And he's like, well, no, but I told him that. Oh, no. And, and the sheriff kind of like looks at me and like looks at the other cop and is just like, okay, like, all right, well, I'll call you later. And he like hangs up and he, he, <laughs> he looks at the sheriff and me and he's just like, man, he's like, this sucks for you, dude. And he's like, well, it sounds like you got to like deal with this now. And I'm like as it goes dude like so he's like all right well you know we got to bring you in for some questioning and like i'm like all right i step on his boat and he handcuffs me he's like he's like yeah dude, we got to bring you in like he's like i got to get your info and like you know <laughs> we'll, we'll take your info and like but like you know you, you are under arrest for grand theft vessel and i'm like Unreal. okay you said vessel <laughs> you did that's cool so, so technical i'm officially a pirate <laughs> that's odd oh, that's so sick in case you were wondering <laughs> Parker was always a pilot or a pirate man. <laughs> Holy shit. So anyways, he brings me in, like lets my buddy grab his stuff. He lets I I like So Buddy does what? Sail the boat back because he knows how to sail? <laughs> you know, so unfortunately no. He couldn't. So he he let my buddy grab my bag for me. They didn't even check the boat. They were like, Is anybody else with you? We were like, No. And he's like, Okay. Like brings us in, spent spent the night in jail on Catalina Island. You know, they, I actually didn't get out till 4.30 in the morning. We, I got there on 7.38 and they basically, the printer had broke and they needed me to sign some stuff. So I was, they were like, honestly, we should have let you out here like an hour later. And I didn't like no posted bail no nothing. And so like, because it's a criminal charge, like really surprising without posting bail. And I basically, you know, I, I, you know, and I'll, I'll get to the point, but so get out of jail 4.30 in the morning. I have some like good photos of me and my friend in front of the county sheriff jail. He slept outside in front of it, like fully bundled up. I swear he looked homeless because he had like three hats on, like seven layers, all his stuff. It's cold as shit. Yeah, it was cold. So we get up and we're excited and, you know, we're starting to like, all right, like, like, like what should we like? Let's start talking about this. And we start and his dad's an attorney. We start looking into it and like, there's just no way this kid has a case. Like I, I was super cooperative, like obviously wasn't stealing the boat, like possessions at the dock like had no idea i couldn't sail the boat like was really you know as i mentioned communicative all proof sorts of, of things proof of rent y- exactly yeah <laughs> rent and um so we're like okay like you know so i texted him and was like hey eric like i just got out of jail uh <laughs> you know you may want to kind of reconsider what you're doing like i'm not sure you know what your plan is but like we were gonna sail the boat back today anyways and now you have to come get it and don't get an answer for a couple hours and then his friend texts me and he's like hey like eric's phone broke like 
you know, I, oh, I saw your text and like, we're going to tell the sheriff that like, you're going to take the boat back. And I was like, okay, okay cool. Well, good luck. Convenient. Yeah. But that'd be nice. And of course the sheriff's like, no, he's like, he's like this, this guy just made a serious allegation. And like this boat is now like technically stolen property and the owner it's has to come seized get it. by the police. Yeah, seized. Owner has to get it back. Yeah. So now this kid's all pissed and I'm like, of course, dude, like you're an idiot. Like, and his friend later texted me and was like, dude, I'm so sorry about what happened. Like I was telling him this was a bad idea. And, and also, so, so I later found out that the boat owner is illegally renting the boat to me in the Marina. Oh no. Cause so, he doesn't have a permit or something to rent. Yeah. A, a and classic. So, and so like, I, you know, I'm now in hence to why it's affordable in LA. <laughs> yeah. And so then, you know, like the day goes by and he, this kid texts me and he's like, here's the deal. Like, you're going to pay me $2,500 and upon receipt of payment, like for my time and effort to go get the boat, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll drop the charges. And I'd done some research at this point, like, because it's a criminal charge, he can't drop it. It's up to the state and I'm not paying him any money. <laughs> <laughs> no, like it's not, that's, that's not going to happen. And as, so anyways, and he was so unreasonable. And I'm like, hey, man, like just trying to call you, like talk on the phone. And, you know, I didn't want to like put anything in writing. And also like that was kind of a threat and potentially extortion on his end. So then I like kind of tried to call him on the phone. No answer. He texted me again the next day and is like, dude, just just send me my money and this can all go away. And I'm like, dude, like this sounds a little bit like a threat. And like you actually can't technically drop the charges because it's up to the state whether they want to pursue it or not. So then I lawyered up, like got my affidavit together. Like, wow. Maybe I'll even put the update in the show notes. I don't know. <laughs> we, we absolutely could. And and so now, like, yeah, yeah, they're just waiting for the case to get processed. This kid's already renting out the boat again. Like, we, but, but you know, and like, and, and my lawyer really, really wants to call the marina and like have them like revoke his boat license. But I don't know if I'm gonna do that, dude. Like, the, yeah, you know, that's like kind of going on the attack. Which at this point, you're just like trying to get away from the kid for crying out loud. Yeah, and yeah, the reality is like I. I should be pretty solid. Um, you know, maybe we should have you like release the podcast post when, when the, when the case gets officially dropped, but like they, they basically like haven't heard from this kid and they're just waiting for the case to get processed. And like basically process meaning like they're going to just look at it. Yeah. Like they haven't even looked at it. Um, and so, so yeah, so anyways, all my possessions were on the boat and then I had to fly out two days later to come pick up the van anyways. So I literally wore the shirt to jail sick <laughs> first company merch inside of jail first company's <laughs> merch dude yeah Holy so shit. yeah so anyways was arrested but not charged so you so know you like, never got any of that those possessions back so my friend so i got a call from a random number like a week ago and he's like hey man this is arthur like when are you come to get your stuff and i'm like who is this he's like arthur i'm on the boat I'm like, wait, who are you? And he's like, yeah, like I'm renting the boat like you used to rent it here. And I'm like, oh, dude, uh, yeah, like I didn't hear from the owner. He's like, yeah, he's like, the owner said you'd be coming by today. I'm like, no. I'm like, what? I'm like, the owner won't return any of my phone calls. I'm like, also, like you had me arrested. Like you should be kind of sketched out. So anyways, like my friend had to go and like picked up my stuff. And so it's waiting for me back in LA now. Wow. His rescue though. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, what dude. a story full circle yeah and so then i fly out pick up the van and the van's having you know issues and i like yeah so the last thing pick up the van in la in the van no so i flew to florida to pick it up up in florida yeah that's right well i was in florida you just that was where you were last well so i remember so i mentioned that i had we had hired this kid who was living out of it okay he was driving around he lives in florida and he went back to florida and he's had an abroad trip planned for like over a year so he's actually in spain right now nice and so i went back and i thought okay i'll pick the van up bring it back to la and then when he comes back we can figure out who wants to go in the van or maybe who wants to stay on the sailboat 
Got it. No longer. So, well, no longer in the sailboat. No longer. Okay. So, RIP. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So, you just, you got here from Florida because you drove. Yeah. Because I drove. Yeah. Wow. So, and from what I hear, this this van drives like no more than 50 miles an hour currently yeah. because of its problems. Yeah. We're having some power issues. And yeah, I, so I, w- I got stuck in like middle, like, like bottom middle of nowhere, New Mexico couldn't get it above 50 on the highway on any sort of uphill like couldn't get it above new 20. mexico coming from new mexico to arizona is like beautiful but it's because you're going through mountains so yeah totally understand that yeah so i had to pull off i like made friends with a couple truck drivers which was awesome they like were super friendly really helpful left me with like water they were like man we just like like before we go like we're gonna smoke a bowl like do you want to smoke with us nice and i was like oh man i was like i don't know like i'm good i, I gotta figure this out and then i was like I, they like started walking away and in my mind i'm like did i really just pass up the opportunity to smoke a bowl with these truckers like truck drivers am i fucking crazy <laughs> so i like ran back and i'm like hey actually yeah, i totally would love to do that with you <laughs> <laughs> going back to yeah. say i want to smoke weed is better than saying yes originally that I, was, rocks. I was like damn i'm such a narc i bet they walked away and they're like god this kid sucks wow that kid doesn't want to smoke weed with us fucking idiot like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it's such an idiot move to say no originally, but I like yeah. what you did there. Yeah, so and they were super helpful. They called me like multiple times during the day and they told me a good place I could pull off. And then I pulled off, spent the night at a truck stop, like made a couple other friends there. Nice. And then from there, I drove to Phoenix and it was supposed to be a four and a half hour drive. It took me 12 hours. Because you can't go any faster than yeah, how fast you're going. Couldn't go any faster. And I took, I had to take all back roads because I didn't want, like, it's significant. It's like dangerous on the highway. If you were going 20 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, you, you could, like, genuinely get hurt. And it yeah. I'm pretty sure it's hurt. illegal to go, like, 30 miles below the yeah, speed limit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Less than 40. Less than 40. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so the, the last little sprint into Phoenix was coming through the mountain. Dude, just sat with the blinker on. <laughs> all the way like half like literally like into the breakdown lane like was so like anxious and stressed out because cars are like coming up on you hot and then they're just laying on the horn and they're like ripping around classic you. arizona dude <laughs> the passing lane is actually in the slow lane in arizona <laughs> yeah. it's insane because people like want to people just go 20 miles over the speed limit here and then when people are going like 15 in the passing lane then they'll go 25 in like the slow lane to pass them <laughs> why, why like, do you think that is I don't know. People just don't care out here. Like <laughs> Arizona cops have bigger fish to fry. Apparently like, I guess it's yeah. hilarious, dude. Like you'll, people are sprinting by cops all over around here. And it's like the only people getting pulled over are like the Ferraris going 110. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not kidding. It's crazy. <gasps> Good to know. Yeah. So, you know, stay on like Indian <laughs> school road. I think that's like yeah, kind of yeah. your, or McDowell. That's another cool thing about Arizona is every street just goes for like hundreds of yeah, miles. Yeah, I was going to say that the grid is, is convenient. And it's, yeah, and it's solid flat. grid out here. It's and flat it's once flat. you get into the city. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So then, okay, my second part of the question was like, what sailboat, van, or new living space? Well, so I'm moving to Mars next. Ooh. <laughs> yeah what is yeah what is your what is mars well, look like to you to quickly answer that but but then i'd love to get to the mars question because i've been thinking about that a lot yeah okay so i actually a friend reached out and he's gonna he's getting a houseboat in seattle and it's and it's right next to a, like our other really good friends houseboat in seattle and they 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 just bought a motorboat they have a sailboat three stand-up paddle boards and it's like a sick part of the lake and i'm like okay how could i not? it's like a little expensive more than i'd want to pay but i'm like 
okay that's an experience though exactly i'm like okay this this feels like potentially a good transition here for me and then yep. you know i probably just have to sign a contract that i won't you know be a pirate and steal that but i don't know but right <laughs> yeah because <laughs> lots of, your, of pirate jokes your past uh, grand theft <laughs> vessel and your potential that yeah. you've shown in the past <laughs> totally understand yeah um, uh, but yeah okay that that totally reminds me like i'm running my own podcast for getting my core questions but uh yeah, man, this is one we implemented a while ago, which I'm glad I sent you the questions, you know, good podcasting by me. But um, what does Mars look like to you? Like, what do you want Mars to look like? Take it literally or figuratively? Yeah, I took it a little figuratively, I think. Nice. To me, Mars is like, what is that like maybe alternative, like fully like alternative, like almost um, like, like, like you living in a different dimension? Mm. That's how I thought about it nice or you know or maybe you get to mars and you're like okay i could fully like like you don't live like humans live like this is a different living situation mm -hmm. i think i would love to you know be or you know maybe be a co-founding member of, of like a commune and you're just into hella horticulture you're just like growing everything like full-on farm style and then you know you're raising kids as a community and there's lots of like okay like kids like we're gonna learn like how to source meat and like butcher a cow, but in a really like sustainable way. And like, we're not going to like treat these cows poorly. And like, it's just going to be a fully, like fully engulfed living situation where like you're mm. fully living, like from the land and like from natural resources and it all feels in, in good faith. That sounds awesome. And it also sounds like, um, I wonder if you can get that experience like somewhere in this current world it's possible i so th there's a there's a girl that i met at a, at a um a retreat back in september right when i launched into the van and she it was this it was kind of a spiritual retreat of sorts a, a friend has a company called um empathic health and they're trying to build like the first centralized database of resources for people who are using psychedelics for uh, medical therapy Wow. And they held like a retreat for their members. So you can imagine like kind of who, who was, who was rolling through there. And, and I got invited cause I was a friend and I was kind of in Joshua tree at the time. That's where it was. And, and one of the founding members, she really wants to start a commune. Get this guess where she wants to start the commune. This one's, this one's going to blow your mind. Uh, any hints or is it too, is it related to like something that I could guess? Yes, definitely. Uh, does she want to start it in Tonopah, Arizona? <laughs> I wish. She wants to start it in Minnesota. What? Yeah, so I guess this is what this is what she said. I guess that, you know, if global warming trends continue as they do, like Minnesota will be one of the last protected environments where like you'll have like normal seasonality. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so, so just like, like just like the northern part of Russia is going to continue to flourish as as uh, <laughs> global warming well, just because it's a well, there's a couple things actually. If you look into that more, there's there's frozen shit so far north from like thousands of years ago that's starting to uncover and fume and and, uh. and come into the air that's never been in the air before because it's getting so warm. So that's huh. part one. But part two is like colder climates that are typically like negative twenty in the winter aren't obviously going to be negative twenty in the winter, and they'll start to grow and have better seasons for farming and stuff. Mm. And there's just like so much land in Russia that's okay. like that, yeah. and very similarly in like yeah, like northern 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 America, such as yeah. Minnesota. So I I back her <laughs> yeah. statement there, which I love. She said that, and I told her I said, "You give me a call when you start that commune. You give me a call, <laughs> I'll be there. My family and I will be will be will be relocating." that's cool yeah i 
it would be cool to just be in the experience of like what would it feel like to be live in a commune and i because yeah because like part of me loves it because it would be so it seems like you would be so um engulfed and involved with like your survival that that's kind of that would just be kind of like your day-to-day but then like aren't you gonna miss like twitter and like built like i'm not just, on twitter oh you should be but like aren't you gonna miss i <laughs> guess some LinkedIn? of these yes linkedin all of linkedin and like i don't know are you gonna miss like game three of the finals like <clears throat> totally. you know that i guess i'm just too much of a techie i guess there's so many things that i enjoy that are in the tech space like i'm i'm wondering like what if you really just focus it down into like i'm living on a commune i'm like trying to um create like make sure i survive with the things i'm like i'm basically turning into a hunter gatherer like are you going to be missing the stuff that we've built in like the current day absolutely and you know part of you know like living in a tent you sacrifice a lot of amenities similar to living in rv yeah and at least what i found and and also after like kind of quitting my full-time job and being more poor i think i'm happier totally you know and so for me i'm like man maybe you bring that to the to the edge and you're like man maybe you're super happy but also like maybe i go to the commune for a year maybe two and then you come back and you're like, man, yeah, I can appreciate this all way more now. Yeah, such a good point. Good another, take. Another, another little thing as to why I answered that question the way I did. I just am wrapping up Sapiens by Yuval Harari. Love. Okay. One of my favorite books. Same. Yeah, it's my second time through. Mm. And he talks about how like early in the hunter-gatherer days, like pre, um, pre-industrial revolution, even like pre-farming, like he, are, he makes the argument that like quality of life was the best during that era than it's ever been. And like, part of that is because like, you know, from what they can infer, right. And like a lot of this is somewhat theorized is for about maybe three hours a day, they're hunting or collecting food or like doing basic living necessities. And then for the rest of the day, like people are hanging out and Mm -hmm. like simply enjoying leisure time. And like, how awesome is that? And and they're living in like optimized community sizes where it's like 150 or less, where it's like, all right, you got all the homies and like typically over 150 is where like hierarchy and also like destruction starts to occur. Yeah. So it's like, okay, great. I got all my homies with me. Like, let's go like throw rocks for a couple hours and then, you know, like- Figure out what to do next. Yeah. Like, Maybe cook some dinner. Yeah. Like, like to me, there, there's something that like, I know I'll probably never get to experience that type of lifestyle. And so that that's what makes it so intriguing to me. Yeah. It's like kind of the reverse. It's like, we have so much going on. We have so many things that we have to be doing. We have so many uh, expectations rather um, in what we're doing in the current like 2020s that like- you're never you rarely do you get the times to just go like be a hunter gatherer or like be a part of that so giving yourself the freedom to do so which i think is like one of the main reasons that i would want to have just financial stability is so i would have the freedom to choose Mm -hmm. to do something like that yeah so so he also talks about that he talks about you know like the classic american dream of like i'm gonna work super hard and then make all this money and then i'll be able to do what i want to do versus just like doing it now which like i I actually i don't think you do that at all for 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 the record um but it's agree it's like okay you want to have this financial fiscal freedom um but just a little wrapping it back a little bit part of where i found i think some of that mentally is is when i go mushroom foraging Mm. Have you been? I've never been mushroom foraging. I'll have to take you out sometime. Right? Okay. You know, whenever like Minnesota, like northern Minnesota has has good crop. Um, like Washington's killer, but like you get out there and you're, it's so raw and it's just like you know typically there isn't 
phone service and you're out in it and you're like looking for food, you know? That feels cool. raw. That sounds super fun. Get your hands dirty, I'm assuming. Get them dirty. You got like a scythe cutting through shit <laughs> and like a shovel. <laughs> yeah. I have my little paring knife and little mushroom brush. Can, you know, maybe you bring something bigger sometimes. Sweet. And like mushrooms all on the ground. Like are we just we're just looking in the ground basically for mushrooms or it, what what's what's a, what does it I mean, evolve i don't man? know do we want to get in i don't know if yeah i just want to hear what so for, just give me a yeah, baseline of so foraging. mushrooms are either growing like from the ground um or they're growing on hardwoods so like on trees right so, yeah. so like there are really good mushrooms that like maybe are on downed logs or even living logs that like are up and like so yeah you're either like looking at logs or downed logs or you're looking on the ground sick and you're just in like the most beautiful remote parts of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, cool. it's, and it's all like off trail, you know, it's not yeah. in like in like really publicly like trampled grounds. You're wow. typically like, okay, like literally just wander into the woods. Yeah. Oh man. I would love that. We all should right. go forward. We're setting up a date. We're gonna do a uh we're gonna do a date night pod, but we're gonna do a date foraging pod. A date foraging <laughs> pod, let's go. I would love that. <laughs> That was actually the first time I ever like even came in contact with you because I think you, I just had like mutual friends with you through Sid, um, co-host of Straight Candid, and I actually hit you up to be on the Date Night Podcast. I know. And you're like, dude, I don't live here. I'm, I'm like, I'm in Seattle doing stuff. I was like, all right, sounds good. I would have loved, I still, I still want to go on, on the Date Night Podcast. Good. I am single. Good. Living in the van in the tent has, has been challenging <laughs> at least for 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 a steady relationship totally but i don't think you'd trade that for anything definitely not no way um okay so man i'd like to get into uh a couple more core questions here let's do it the average quality so this is something like uh i would say it's just something that you focus on and and try and it's something that humbles you because you're not that great at it yet um you're not good at it. You're not bad at it. You're kind of just average. Um, what is that thing? What is your average quality? Yeah. So I've got two answers. One's a little more ambiguous. One's a bit more specific. So I, I don't actually like think I'm that smart, you know? Yeah. You're like, okay, like I want to hang out with like intellectual and, and smart people and like learn from them. And then you're like, man, my memory sucks. You're like, I'm really not that smart. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, like I'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> so the, my girlfriend tells me that all the time. I'm not smart, dude. There's so many questions I ask. She's like, dude, I'm done. Like, I can't explain yeah. this to you. It's <laughs> yeah, too yeah. much. Okay. Dude, 26, living in <laughs> not smart. Love it. And then the other one that's more specific is, you know, I have a, like a food company. I'm not that great of a cook or a chef. And actually eating for me is like pretty transactional. Mm. So like, I like food, but most nine times out of 10 food for me is, how quickly can I get done eating? Yes. <laughs> and what can I do to get there? And so I've like, there are a couple meals that I've probably had over a thousand times. Because it's 10 minutes to make it, five minutes to eat it. It tastes good. <clears throat> Dude, there, there, there's an egg, like an egg sandwich and an egg concept I have that I can, between cooking, eating, and cleaning can get done in under 10. It's big. Yes. That, that's, that's huge. That's that that's the most sort of like efficient meal that I have yeah. in, in my belt. But but you know, you need like a stove. So all on the road it's been a little bit more challenging. Right. Because you don't have a stove in the van or anything like that. Yeah, like a portable one, but it doesn't doesn't work. So yeah, I mean but but I do live at the grocery store, so it's helpful. But um but yeah, like I'm not a good cook and I like I'd love to be like this exotic, like 
using cool flavors mushroom yeah chef <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but it's not not the case i like mm-hmm. that man i mean it you're not supposed to treat food as transactional right like that's I've heard, I don't you, think you, so. I've heard you're supposed to enjoy your food. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, heard, I don't know. I'm not good at it either. I can totally <laughs> relate on that. I'm getting into more like cooking just through uh, my girlfriend. Like she, um, she just spent like all of COVID just like making, learning how to make like cool meals. Nice. And uh, just having that access of like going to the store, knowing the things you need to buy. And then like, you're still you're you're it's still very transactional i know i can make this in about an hour what's your go-to um, like like go to like hey i need to eat something quickly but it's going to maybe be healthier like i'll be satisfied you like this because i think you can pull it off on the road is uh you take greek yogurt uh low-fat greek yogurt scoop of protein powder and yeah, uh in your case mushrooms mushroom granola yup and that is like a meal that'll have 50 grams of protein um your carb carbs will be high no low pretty low sugar yeah. so it's just like solid a solid start to your day sugar like, is the devil yeah so like a 9 a, like a 9 a.m like get your gut in the right spot yeah i, like I would that. go with i would go with that what is what's the consistency of the yogurt after like protein powder in there same it actually really? absorbs it really absorbs well. yeah it takes a second to mix it, it looks weird Do you have and to then, add water no water yeah i've been doing it for like three weeks now a co-worker showed me that trick that's a hot trick yeah i know it's insane but <laughs> you, if you, you ever should make some gated content here people have to like give you your email to learn about that trick on the show right yeah buy my nft and uh, i'll give you access uh that's exactly how we should do it but yeah. hey i that it i mean that that right there was just such a huge change because like i've never really focused on my diet i've always been like super transactional and then I started just like really trying to focus on like, Hey, I need to get protein in my body. Like mm. I'm 190 pounds. I can't be eating 70 grams of protein a day. Like that's yeah. so bad for you. It's not like, I'm not going to have enough energy to do what I want to do. So mm-hmm. I've been having to like work backwards from that and be like, okay, you know, if I'm going to have meals every day, like grill and not grill, like put a shit ton of chicken breasts in the oven yeah. or like, uh, Christina just like slow cooked, like three pounds of a chuck roast. Oh, shout out Christina. On real product coming out of that woman. So the it's utility like, of your girlfriend. Utility of the girlfriend's like kind of the key, but I will say just it's it's a game changer, man. I can't I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um so so I, I think or I guess I'm curious and so I mentioned that that I that I trained for the this Iron Man and yeah, part of right. that was like dialing nutrition. So, so the number one reason people don't finish triathlons or, or endurance races is like irritable bowel or like, or they basically drop out because they have stomach issues or like can't digest food because they're not putting enough food in there. Is that, <clears throat> do you think that's it? So, so that's not it. So, so, so this is where it becomes really interesting of like, there's a very clear interaction between the, um, between the nutrients in your body between, and, and, and there, there's sort of three core components here. There's hydration, water, salts. It's like electrolytes, salts. Sure, actually, do you mind pouring me a little bit? Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. So ASMR. (laughs) So so you've got water, hydration, salts, and then you have basically like fuel, like like glycogen, like 
sugars, complex carbs, carbs. Mm -hmm. And, and between those three concepts, like those are like what your body is running and like fueling off of. Mm -hmm. So like when you're burning energy, it it is, it is like an interaction between those three items. Mm -hmm. So if you're not hydrated enough, let's start with water and you know, you're eating fine. This is where you come into stomach issues because your stomach needs basically like a water and salt mix to be able to, to actually digest the um, nutrients the nutrients okay if you're losing power or you're like oh my god i'm so weak i'm so tired you're not you don't have enough calories mm-hmm. and so and so that's sort of like the dichotomy there of like okay you need to have enough fluids and like there needs to be like enough salt content within that fluid mm-hmm. um and so like it's the balancing act between those two and you know like you can follow a like a kind of a set plan so like when i was biking or running every 10 minutes two to three ounces of water Every 20 minutes was getting like a little like four ounces of um, like a salt mix. And then every uh, every 30 minutes was taken taking 70 to 90 calories in in like a in like a glycogen format. So like dates, any sort of like sugar, like every maybe every two or three of those, I would do like more of a complex carb. So like maybe like a banana, half a yeah. banana. Mm-hmm. And then I'm road like you're just like on that plan. And then, of course, like, you know, shit hits the fan as it does. And then you kind of have to be adjusting on the fly. You're like, okay, it's like hour seven and my stomach doesn't feel good. Or like, man, my legs are really weak. You know, okay, I'm actually going to eat here, even though I'm not supposed to eat for another half hour because I'm I'm sensing that like I, I, I don't have enough. Cal- I don't have enough calories or, or fuel to burn. Wow. Or yeah. it's like, okay, I have stomach ache. I'm supposed to eat right now. I'm actually I'm going to skip eating. I'm, I'm going to hydrate a little bit. Pop a salt pill. Yeah. See, I didn't have to really monitor that as much for my one day of trekking across Moab. Like I can't believe that. 47 hour or 47 miles is what I ended up running. It was like 9 a.m. to midnight. And we had three or four aid stations. So like during those aid stations, I was chowing on burgers, having a good time. You know, like uh, we were consistently drinking water. I had, yeah. you know, packs, had, you know, dates, very similar um, thing. But like my body just felt like pretty good basically until the very end it got dark and spooky and i was like i'm really tired my legs hurt and you know at that point i had to lock in and you know eat whatnot but like to me it sounds like you're doing so many different activities in the triathlon like to me that sounds just like way more intense i think part of it too is like you're not stopping so so like the there's no rest period. It's, it's, it sounds like you were kind of breaking it up a little bit or am I, am I mistaken? Yeah, we ran 18 miles and then price stopped for about 15 to 20. Okay. So really not, not that much time. And then we would just basically stop at an, in 20 minute intervals, <laughs> maybe 30 in, minute intervals. I'm surprised. Did, did anybody have stomach issues on that? Um, I'm sure ultra runners have problems with stomach issues. Like yeah. that's a Mark Dottle question for sure. I, the guys that were in, in our band of uh, runners, their main problems were their feet. Like mm. their feet just Pain. being blistered, bruised, you know, skins peeling off. They have to have tape jobs to like hold like everything in yeah, place. Gnarly dude. Like the one of the guy, Matthew Gorslanzik, he was on this podcast. He had something going on in his leg where like it swelled up and he just had like this massive like, like ball, ball of like blood that was just jiggling around. So they literally gnarly. like taped it to his freaking calf and he just kept going like <laughs> dude see i would i would i would race another iron man before i ran 47 miles i am kind of interested in doing like an iron man because i love swimming oh dude if you love swimming and you're already running you're in it 
Okay. It's it's game over, dude. Like you're you're gonna crush. Okay, that's good to hear because I I've always loved swimming. I can, I would uh, do like mini Ironmans uh, when I finished football and I had like all the facilities. I would like bike ten to twenty, run oh, four or five, and then I'd swim a mile. Dude, in the, we should in the laps. I'm bummed actually. This weekend, it's too bad. Maybe if we had had the pod a couple weeks ago, my friends, a friend's putting on an event in Seattle. It's a, I think it's a three mile kayak across Puget Sound to this like small island. Cool. And then it's an eight mile loop, eight mile running loop, and yeah. then it's a three mile kayak back, and it, they're putting on like a duathlon. Oh, that's. Um, sick. But yeah, I mean, dude, dude, my friends and I are talking about training for like maybe a, a half Ironman. The, a full has been thrown around, but it's it's just a big commitment. How long does it take to complete a full Ironman? I did mine in like twelve hours and twenty seven minutes, I think, okay. or maybe. Yeah, 12 or 13, you know, one of my friends finished like half hour before me, another friend finished half hour after, another friend finished a couple hours later. And it's swim, bike, run? Yeah, yes, yeah, so you swim okay. two and a half, you swim 2.4, you bike 112, and then you run the marathon. Oh my God. It's, it, I'm telling you right now, dude, it sounds way wilder than it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, well, you'd be fine. Yeah, and I, I only trained for like six weeks for the, the 47. Yeah, like that's... And that I was running, my mind. I was running in Tonopah and I was just doing like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I got to start running. And I did like seven miles, like shirt off, no water oh. in like 110 degree on like pavement. Brutal. And I was like, terrible idea. Yeah. And then I bought my hydration pack and then basically did Game the same changer. thing. Uh, but just kept running, just tried to make, have one like long run Sunday was kind of my thing. Yep. Every other day was like just get five like sprint five yep. sprint six just consistent it's the consistent consistent just like turn and burn and then on sundays i would run like 12 14 15 yeah 16 just try and like give myself that experience and then it was all on pavement and then uh it ended up it was all on pavement and then i started running on trails and trails mm. is just like the nicest thing on yeah, your knees. Game and so changer. my first 18 miles was downhill on a trail in uh, in Moab at like nine o'clock. So I finished that first 18 and I was like, this is, I feel like I'm I ran breezing, two. baby. And then it, like the next pickup spot was 27 miles later. And they're like, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to. And that's what, that's how I ended up doing it. I never, I, I was only supposed to do like the first section because there's multiple people Damn. lined up and I was just like, oh, I'll see if I can make it. That's a mental, <laughs> that's like a big mental barrier there too. That's impressive. I can't believe you, you were like, all right, I'm actually going to run more than I was just planning to run again. And I felt bad. Like I was like, I can't just ditch out on these guys who are on mile 140. Like they, like they need, they need some support you know yeah, going through the fellas the fellas and we were taking edibles like while we were running <laughs> Dude, in moab like how? total isolation so much fun can't believe you i i would i would suffer i i like do not do well with like strong physical exertion and, and marijuana really yeah. i'm like the opposite i would i would like, always smoke a bowl before going to like uh any sort of like hit class on a friday just a you know, little little uh little I, pick me up I going like, in i like doing finesse uh, activities when there's that um yeah. like love playing squash mm. and like rock climbing but okay um hold on i'm gonna check what time my flight's at oh yeah because you your flight is at 5 40 or is it at 6 40 that's what i'm gonna look at cool okay flight is at 6 40 nice and then let me see where the mechanic because i gotta go to the mechanic drop the van 
Yeah. And then go, when does your girlfriend get out of, uh, and about, I might, I actually have no idea when she gets out. Is she around here? Yeah. She's in Scottsdale. Okay. She's her appointment started at three. So any sort of appointment usually goes for an hour. Okay. Okay. The place I'm going to is an hour East on the outskirts of Gilbert. Hmm. Okay. We may want to wrap up soon. Yeah. just to be safe yeah i mean where, where's the airport from there it's the exact opposite direction where the airport is like oh is it gonna be another hour drive see yeah it's gonna be an hour drive back oh, so that's gonna be in your slow van that's gonna be it's gonna be an hour to get you're gonna there. be okay because it's a low flying day but you're gonna need to get going like in the next probably 15 to 20 minutes okay okay so maybe we'll wrap here anyways in what's in your back pocket man dude <laughs> Back pocket. I did. I also, I had a really good fun pact I came across today too. Cool. Dude, the back pocket, what I really, really like to do, or like, I, th- I think it's one of my skills, which is such a dumb skill too. Dude, you just got to ask strangers. You just got to go out and talk to people. And that is like, I'm in a tough spot. I will go and like, dude, I, I was super, con- I was kind of concerned about the van. Like, so I pull off into, onto this trucker stop see a trucker door, but I'm like, okay, I'm hitchhiking. Like, I'm going to go talk to these guys. These guys are, these guys drive. These guys are going to help me. Like people are nice. You know, Emmys, these guys know. You're like me. You're like the irrational optimist. Like, I don't think there's not one inkling of you that was like, this is a bad idea. (laughs) I told my mom about it too. And she was like, kind of freaking out. I'm like, mom, I'm like, she's like, you know, there's a lot of bad people out there. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good people out there too. (laughs) How about that one? (laughs) Good guy, freedom fighters. Yeah. Yeah. So I like walk, I'm walking over and this guy, ruffled head, sticks his head out. I just, he locks, he, he hawks the, the gnarliest Lukey. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's kind of what I expected. I walk up and, and there's another guy in there and I'm like, hey, fellas. And he's like, hey man, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, so I don't know, I'm having van issues. I don't know anything about cars. You guys think you could help or take a look? I was like, maybe I could hitchhike. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll take a look. And they come over and they're looking at stuff and they were super friendly. Like I was like, maybe going to hitchhike with them. But, you know, we all, we both decided it wasn't a good idea to leave the van there. Mm. And they were like, honestly, I don't think you have to get it towed yet. They're like, I think you can make it a bit further potentially to a mechanic. So, but yeah, honestly, yeah, for me, it's like if shit, if shit gets tough, it's like a like go talk to strangers, but be like and, and to your to your earlier point earlier, like just start right. It's like maybe yeah. there's a big obstacle and you're like I don't know what to do. It's like okay, just do something, and then oftentimes you'd be like okay, now it's like you you just got to get into the flow and pass that like kind of anxiety and mental barrier of like ah oh, like I'm anxious like 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 have you ever faced um, crippling anxiety? No, I I hate that I haven't because like I know so many people that do, and I'm not. I'm good at being an empath an empath i just like don't understand it yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with so that I, I apologize that don't, i don't apologize. i've never had crippling anxiety don't apologize I know, I know of it yeah yeah like i i know it's not I like do. i i don't get it all, like often or all the time but it's it happens right especially when there's tons of stress in the business or something and i'm like okay i have like i'm supposed to be doing these things during this time and i'm like i just can't get myself to do them and then i'm like okay like I'll set a timer. I'll literally set like a three minute timer and be like, okay, Parker, like three minutes, buddy. I'm like, just start on the first thing, like three minutes, yep. you know? And, and this, this is the only reason I wear this watch. I kind of hate this watch, but I wear it cause it's got the timer. So like whenever I'm like dialing in or I'm like really need to get some work done, it's like, okay, like I'm setting a 30 minute timer 
because I know I just need to start on this and like I know I need to get some work done, I'll start it. And always like it, for, for some reason, the time blocking mentality for me is so valuable mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, I need, I've got this thing. I think it's going to take me five hours. I need to get it done before end of week. Like, okay, I just need to sit down and do half an hour right now. Yeah. I, I feel much, I guess my anxiety is coming, always come from like not getting stuff done on time or when it needs to be done okay. or like things are starting to creep up and they need to get done. Yeah. So giving that myself the time of day to do it is like how I kind of eliminate the anxiety. But at the same time, there's always a functional way to start. Even if your anxiety tells you you can't. Mm-hmm. So like, if you if you mathematically calculate that it that you have a an hour of time to to commit to it yep. like just block that off and give yourself the opportunity to even try yeah mm-hmm. and it's going to lead to it's going to be the momentum train it's going to be need. successful um okay dude what'd you learn dude okay this one's good okay <laughs> i haven't validated it yet either i read this on the hinge profile okay you ready for this yes yes i'm, I'm ready a duck like a duck is a dog a duck is a dog i'll, I'll repeat a, a duck a duck is a dog is a dog oh man is it i haven't validated it like i said but I, it, it's a pretty cool fun fact so how how is it how how could that like i said i haven't validated it yet okay a duck is a dog super I mean, quick Let's... a duck has a dog in it <laughs> you know do we all have a dog? we all have a little dog in here us. we go is a duck a dog i'm not getting anything i'll be honest I think I may have just lied about my fun fact on the show. Damn. <laughs> what was like the topic that lured you in on said hinge profile? No, like that was their fun fact. It was like, it was like my favorite fun fact is that a duck is a dog. Damn. Maybe, why? maybe there's something deeper here that, that we're not quite getting to. Yeah. Why is a duck a dog? The dog, the dog. Why do you think that there's gotta be a reason for that? Like there's a reason for everything. I guess we're never going to figure this out, are we? We'll have to come back for part two. <laughs> Dude, uh, I know you have to get going. I do want to say uh, thanks for hitting me up yesterday for, for doing yeah, this podcast. Dude. Like, um, It was a pleasure really actually connecting with you and hanging out for probably two hours, I would imagine. I know. it's It's been a while. Hour 34, technically. Great work, man. Good work. Excited for what the future holds with the both of us. I know. You're a pirate. I'm a pirate. <laughs> I'm a criminal in my own regard, and uh, can't wait to take on take on the world and uh, potentially Mars together. So oh yeah, dude, let's get Mars. Let's get that commune. We'll get it. We'll get it, man. Mic drop. It's here. <laughs> Beautiful. That's a wrap. Seeing double. Tell the whole squad out the back door, man. I think it's time to huddle. Yeah.